Going Postal Publishing, the Going Postal Cast, and Christopher Chapman present Incarceration, the serialized weekly podcast performed by the author, Christopher Chapman. For more information, visit www.goingpostalpublishing.com or email him at goingpostalpublishing at gmail.com. This podcast is not suitable for children. It has violence, gore, and lots and lots of naughty words. If you can't handle that, go somewhere else. And now, on with the story, or whatever other crap I decide to come up with. Chapter 47 Jason stared at his mother, noticing how she looked almost exactly as she had the day she died, yet so very different. To start with, there was a small dent in her forehead where the butt of the stake had struck. Also, as with all of the vampires he'd seen, she had certain inhuman features that stood out. Her hair was dirty and greasy as if it hadn't been washed in a very long time. Her teeth were much longer than he remembered, sticking far out of her mouth and coming to razor-sharp points that could slice through a steel pipe. Her eyes were closed, but he assumed that if they were open, he would see the same glassy eye that he'd seen on so many other vampires in the last 24 hours, as well as those that he'd seen and never known to be vampires all those years ago. Matt stood next to him, looking down. He dropped to his knees and prepared to drive the stake through her chest. Anger seeped through Jason, controlling his movement. He grabbed hold of Matt's arm, preventing him from pushing the stake through her. What the fuck are you doing? Matt asked angrily. It's my mother, Jason said, as if it mattered. Matt looked at him as if he'd committed a horrible sin. Maybe he had. She was a vampire, after all. He was supposed to let Matt kill her. Hell, he was supposed to put a stake through her heart. Wasn't that supposed to be what Matt was going to do with his very own daughter? When the time came, would he hesitate the way he was now? He tried to allow Matt to do what he knew needed to be done. He couldn't do it, though. At least, not yet. He had to see her for a few seconds. He had to know if everything that had happened over the last 16 years was real and not something that his mind had created for him as a means of escaping reality. She was real. He was looking right at her. He could touch her if he so chose. He couldn't do that, though. She was a vampire. If she woke up, she would surely try to kill him. He knew he had Matt as a protector, but that just wasn't enough. A loud growl erupted from within the forest, less than 15 feet away. Jason turned his head, knowing what he would find. The fear within him reached a fever pitch as a shadowy figure stepped out of the forest and into the clearing. Gary Rangel, Jason's father, raced towards them, his teeth open and bared. Matt cut Jason's father off, getting in front of him with both stakes in the ready position. Jason stood and backed away, knowing just how important the next minute would be. Whoever won this fight would change things considerably. Jason only wished that he were rooting for Matt to succeed. The sad part was that he didn't know whom he wanted to win more. He wanted Matt to win, yet he couldn't handle seeing his father slain. He considered running right then and there, getting as far away as he could before something happened. For some reason, he found his feet glued where he stood. He couldn't leave and wasn't sure he wanted to. He was going to see this thing out to the end and take whatever consequences came with it. It was Matt that attacked first striking at Jason's father before he was able to adjust. Gary was far too fast for Matt, easily blocking his shot. 
Without much effort, Gary swung a hand towards Matt, knocking him through the air without ever laying a finger on him. Matt slammed hard to the ground 15 feet from where he'd been hit, coming to a stop less than two feet from a tree. Jason's father looked at Matt briefly, then slowly turned until he was looking directly at his son. Jason cowered, seeing that there was no sign of recognition in his father's face. It was his father, just as he had known him, and that was the hardest part. It was the man he'd idolized from the day he was born, the man that he had wanted to grow up to be like, the man that he had told that he hated him just hours before he died. Jason felt his eyes sting as fresh tears formed. He was crying, not for the fact that he was soon going to be killed by his own father, but for the reason that his father would forever remember him for those final words he spoke that day. He hated himself for that and wished that there was something he could do to take it all back. There was. I am so sorry, Dad, Jason said to his father as he continued to approach. There was no slowing or the smallest sign of recognition, but Jason continued anyway. I didn't hate you. I never did. I'm sorry I told you that. You were right about me. You were always right about me. I let my anger get out of control. His father was extremely close now. In fact, he was getting too close. Jason could see those teeth and the way that his mouth seemed to be able to expand beyond anything any normal man could do. The smell of his breath was putrid, the scent of an animal that had been dead for several days, maybe weeks. He took a step back, then another. He felt his heels press against something on the ground. He lost his balance, falling backwards. He immediately tucked his chin to his chest, worrying about his head. His back slammed hard against the forest floor. His head was okay. He looked at his feet and saw that there was a small root that he had tripped over. Of all the luck, he thought, then looked back to his dad, who was now standing over him. Jason crawled backwards, using his hands and feet to move away from his father. He kept moving until he came to a tree. He rested his head against the tree, trying to think of a way out of the situation. He couldn't come up with anything. His dad bent down and put his face close to Jason's, opening his mouth wide. Jason saw that his mouth was wide enough where it could rip his entire head off his shoulders. I love you, Jason said, then closed his eyes. He expected it all to be over quickly. He waited, thinking with every passing second that it would be his last, but nothing happened. He opened his eyes and saw his father looking back at him. He was still close enough to kill him easily, but his mouth was no longer open. He looked at Jason like a man that meant no harm. He saw humanity in his father's face, a sign of hope that his father's soul was still intact and that he could fight the urge to kill. His father's eyes opened wide, much more than they should have. He roared, covering Jason's face with stinky saliva, blood, and flesh. His father straightened and turned around. Jason saw what had caused his father to react that way, breaking the moment they shared. A stake stuck out of his father's back. No! Jason shouted, hoping that Matt could hear him. This couldn't be happening. Matt was about to kill his father. Matt moved to put the final stake through his father's chest, but never got the chance. His father extended his arm, shoving Matt to the ground. Matt was down and looked as if he wasn't going to be able to get up. His father stood over Matt, slowly dropping like he was going in for the kill. Jason became aware of the trees becoming easier to see around them. First, he was able to see their contours. 
Then he was able to see some of the branches. Then he was able to see every detail as the sun came over the horizon and blanketed the area in sunshine. Jason's father looked to the sky and saw the sun. He abandoned his attack on Matt, instead heading for his wife. He grabbed Jason's mother from the ground, holding her in his arms as if she were a rag doll, and headed into the forest at a superhuman speed. Jason was alone with Matt. It was at that moment that an old friend decided to pay Jason a visit. It was a friend he had known very well. He welcomed this friend with open arms, setting his sight on Matt. Jason and his old friend Rage raced towards Matt, tackling him back to the ground as he attempted to stand. He had surprised Matt, who wasn't even able to defend himself as Jason pounded him with fist after fist. His stake had been long forgotten, but he briefly wished that he still were holding it. He would have liked to show Matt how it felt to be stabbed with it. As Matt's face became a bloody mess, he felt two legs swing up and wrap themselves around his shoulders. He was suddenly falling backwards, with Matt's legs driving him down. He landed on his back and was unable to get up. Matt relinquished his hold and moved over Jason, holding down Jason's shoulders with his knees. Jason tried to get up, but found that he couldn't move his arms. You listen here, you little shit, Matt scowled. You're damn lucky that I didn't let him rip your goddamn throat right out. You show me a little fucking gratitude. He recognized me, Jason said. Matt released the hold almost immediately. He stood and extended his hand to Jason. Jason reluctantly took his hand and allowed himself to be helped to his feet. My daughter recognized me, Matt said. I'm sorry. I thought, don't worry about it, Jason said but still felt himself gripped by rage. He wanted to hurt Matt, but realized just how much more athletic Matt was than him. Matt turned the tables on him even after he had beaten him good with his fists. He found it hard to imagine what he could have done with an even playing field. What's done is done. What's done is done, Matt repeated, but didn't sound as if he were sincere. There would be tension for a while. How about we get the hell out of here, Matt said, looking to the sky. The sun was up. Jason looked back to the prison and saw a small section of it through the trees. He saw vampires running through the yard, a yard he had been in hundreds of times over the years, on their way back into the prison. It was over. For now. Chapter 48 Jason Rangel and Matt Zern walked away from the prison known as Lipsky Swamp. They walked side by side, although no words were exchanged between the duo. An eerie silence stood between them as they focused on their journey, rather than each other. Jason was happy to be free. He breathed in the fresh air, something he had taken for granted while being held captive behind bars. Nothing tasted quite as sweet as the air on the outside. He had survived a night in which he thought he was going to die on several occasions. He believed that it was all for a reason. He looked to his left and saw Matt walking next to him. He wondered what would happen to the old man now. It was Matt who had told him a little over 24 hours ago about the existence of vampires and that he wanted to get out of hunting them. He wondered just how serious Matt was, especially now that he had been so close to rescuing his daughter to no avail. As for Jason, he wasn't done. Not by a long shot. He intended to see how this thing played out. He was free, and nobody would know it. 
he belonged to a prison that nobody knew existed. He was sure that the state of Wisconsin would remain silent about his escape. He suspected that anybody that investigated what happened at the prison would soon be reported missing. When enough people went missing, they'd avoid the prison altogether. It wasn't a very good situation for anybody. Jason didn't intend on staying away from Lipsky Swamp for very long, unless his parents decided to leave. He still had two things he needed to do, and one of them involved killing the man that murdered his parents and turned them into those beasts. He knew that he was in there somewhere. He would kill that bastard, even if it meant going through the vampire known to Matt as the Vampire Lord to do so. He wouldn't rest until that bastard was dead and his parents were given the chance to decide for themselves how they wanted to live their lives, if that was at all possible. He was fully aware that he might still have to kill his parents. It weighed heavily on his thoughts, but he would cross that bridge when he came to it. Where are we going? Jason asked Matt, the first word spoken in 20 minutes. Not sure, Matt said. We'll have to go back to my hometown. I have some money and weapons there that I'm sure that the police haven't found yet. After that, who knows? They walked on, undecided on their futures. Would they stay together or go their separate ways? He had choices now. For the first time in 16 years, Jason had the choice to decide his future. It was a good feeling. What about Niagara? Was that a possible destination for them? He didn't have a clue as to what the answer could be. What if they went back to Niagara? Was Allison still there? What about Dave Grimes? The thought circled through his mind like a tornado, each grasping for supremacy. He wanted to see Allison again, but didn't want to see Dave. Why should he? After what Dave said to him, then said against him in court, he should be looking to put a stake in him right after getting the bastard that killed his parents. That thought put a smile on his face. He hated Dave. Sixteen years of reflection gave him a nasty opinion of the man that had once been his best friend. He supposed that he partially owed Dave for the last sixteen years in prison. It was Dave, after all, who had given that testimony that was so damning to his case. As for Allison, he wondered what happened to her. Had she been married? Was she now a mother? Was she still living in Niagara? The questions battered at his strained mind all wanting to be answered at the same time. He would answer each and every one of his questions in time. He was free from prison. He now had all the time in the world. He stopped and turned, looking back down the road towards the prison that had been his home for the last 16 years. I'll be back soon, he said in his mind, a message he hoped his mother and father would receive. He rushed to catch up to Matt as they put distance between them and the prison. Inside the prison, surrounded by darkness, a beast that had once been a man stared out a broken window. Even at this distance, he could see two men walking down a path. They were the only two that had gotten away. They would soon pay for the resistance. Jason Rangel, the first of his victims that had gotten away, was among them. He owed that little bastard for what he had done to him all those years ago. He hadn't forgotten about the scissors and the broken spine. That had taken much energy to overcome. He was much stronger now, and vowed to never allow anything like that to happen again. He didn't know the other one, but had heard of him by reputation, 
He was a vampire slayer, the last of his kind. He would take great pride in killing them both. It was only a matter of time before death would come for them. To be continued. Author's Note Finishing incarceration has been a big deal for me. I've been working on this novel on and off since 1998. I bought my first laptop, an Apple PowerBook 1400 with the powerful 117 megahertz processor inside. I wanted to write something with it, and all I could think about was a story idea I'd come up with while watching From Dust Till Dawn. It was a vampire movie, but not the kind of vampire movies we are used to. Having the new laptop, I decided to write the book. I churned out a book I was calling Tooth over the next few weeks. It wasn't a novel. Being at 37,000 words, I would call it a novella. The idea was there, but not much else. Three years later, I took the Tooth story and added elements and backstory to it. That would be the first time that the words, Death has come, would be uttered in the story. I believe that this was the final version of the story for several years even though my mind kept returning to the world and saying that there were things in it that were unfinished. I felt as if there were other stories and other adventures for Jason Wrangle to journey on. I started another version of the book, centering it later in the story than what you've just read in this book. I introduced Matt Zern as a vampire killer with no backstory, and the whole prison element seemed to leave something to be desired. I decided on one more version of the book, which I started a few months after it became evident that I was getting divorced. I went into this version of the book wanting to talk about what happened in prison. In previous versions of the book, Jason is released because somebody realizes that he didn't do the crime. I barely talked about what happened in prison. It was more of an afterthought than anything. I felt as if that didn't fit right and asked myself what would happen if Jason were to escape prison, but nobody knew about it and he was still hated by everybody. That gave me a whole story arc that I wanted to go down, and incarceration was born. The death has come element of the book still lives, but I didn't have to explain all of the backstory to that right away. That gets to be drawn out over the next couple of books as we move forward in the series, continuing to build up the characters and flesh out some of the backstory with Matt. So, after 14 years of playing with this novel, I finally put it to rest. This is the book I set out to write when I first watched From Dust Till Dawn and became inspired to write a vampire novel. The basis has always been there. Many of the pieces to this puzzle came together since then. Thank you for reading my book. It makes me feel good that I have been able to create something that might be able to give you enjoyment. My hope is that you've enjoyed this book and look forward to the second book in the series coming out. It's written, so it's only a matter of time before it happens. I can't wait to share it with you. Christopher Chapman, Houghton, Michigan, September 18th, 2012. You've been listening to the Going Postal Cast. For updates about Christopher Chapman, his stories, and future podcast happenings, be sure to go to goingpostalpublishing.com. If you want to follow along on Twitter, twitter.com slash goingpostalpub, or like him at facebook.com slash goingpostalpublishing. 
This podcast is copyright 2012, Going Postal Publishing.